Hello and welcome to another episode of Don't Shit on the Bus. I'm your host, Adam Amakias, tuning in all the way from Los Angeles, California for episode number 63. We have my good friend Chris from the band Wage War on today. Now, Chris, I have not spoken to in a long time, but it was great to catch up with him. He is currently on tour with his band Wage War. Actually, they might be finished as of a few days ago. But when I was talking to him, he was telling me how excited he was because their band is on their first tour with an actual tour bus. And that is a really exciting time in the band's career because, well, it only happens once, theoretically. I mean, I guess you could become a big band and a small band or switch the way you drive and then go back to a bus. But really, you know, you go van, bandwagon, and then into a bus when you can afford it. So talking with him about, you know, what went on in his life up to this point in the band and what it looks like from a working musician's perspective was was nice. I mean, we all hear the crazy success stories of people who, you know, are in a band and the next year they're really big and they're touring the world. We know about that kind of story, but what's it like to kind of take a much more organic route? You know, Chris has been in this band now since mm, 2013, I think is when it started. And Actually, funny enough, I photographed Wage War's first press photos. I was just in Florida on another gig, and my friend was like, hey, can you come shoot this new band? They're my friends. And I was like, sure. So we met up on like a dock or something. We took some photos. I'll throw them in the video version. I got to find those for you, Connor. But put them in the video right now, right here. Put them in the middle, on top of my hands. Here's Chris and the rest of his band, Wage War. And that's almost 10 years ago now. And that's crazy. So they've been at it for 10 years. I mean, but they've been touring since then, working at it, growing their band, traveling the world, touring with other artists. And it's just nice to hear it all from his perspective. So thank you so much, Chris, for joining me today in the podcast. I look forward to seeing you in real life. I know I missed you here in Los Angeles, but COVID stuff happens. So, you know, we're just a little bit more restricted. With that being said, thank you so much to our patrons every week for donating a little bit of money. I appreciate it so much. I say thank you every week. I know it might get annoying, but I am thankful every week. So thank you. And with that being said, I hope you enjoy this episode of Don't Shit on the Bus. I will see you next week. All right. Hello, Chris. Welcome to welcome to Don't Shit on the Bus. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Adam. Of course. Where you're in a hotel room. I know you're on tour, but where are you? We're in El Paso, Texas right now. We had like a nine hour drive from Dallas last night, day off with some laundry and some video games. That sounds like a great day off. And if you've never been on tour, I just want to let you know it sounds casual to be in a hotel room where it's quiet, but that's like you completed the task of the day somehow. <laughs> I It was requested time. I had to request a time off. We have like one room just where people shower and just text everyone, letting them know I was doing it. But it is it is very, very hard to find quiet time. And you have an Internet connection, too. So I don't know, like who you had to bribe or what you had to do. But this is cool. Yes, it's working for now. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully knock on wood. Well, congrats on being back on tour. How long has it been? I I know you guys are in the middle of a tour right now. COVID kind of rocked that. So when did you get back out on the road? Uh, so we've got two shows left on this tour with Falling in Reverse right now. Uh, our first tour back from COVID was with Beartooth, and that was, what, like September, October of last year. And that okay. was our first tour back. But before then, it had been just about as long as everyone has been home for, like since the March previous to that. I think we had been in Australia, 
and we were flying home. And I think at the time we'd been seeing like memes online, just about someone eating a bat, you know, or whatever it might've been. <laughs> and then not really knowing what to expect, but yeah, I got home from Australia, had some other plans the rest of that year, and then just found out you're staying home. So yeah, it's a bare tooth. That was like a month, a little over a month long tour. Okay. And then this one's been pretty short. It's like three weeks, but we're just at the tail end of it now. Aren't you going to be in LA soon then or no? Uh, yeah, that's our last show. So we play Phoenix tomorrow. We have two shows off and then I think it's Los Angeles or Anaheim. We play the last day of the tour. I think it's LA. I think you're at the Palladium. Oh, uh, that's yes, that's right. Cause we haven't played there yet. And <laughs> John Youngman who works at fly South, he was there and he was letting us know. He's just like, just you're in for a treat. This is going to be a great venue. That's awesome. I've definitely seen John Youngman enjoying his night at that venue. And I know he's going to do it again. And man, that's exciting. Congrats on a big tour and finishing it off in LA at a pretty big venue. That's cool. Yeah. It's been a blast. It's just fun to be on tour again feel like you take it for granted and you can complain about a lot of things while it's happening. But once you get back out here, I'm like, dude, I just miss my friends, you know, and just talking crap and just yeah. messing around with each other and finding stuff to get into. Because going on tour for you in a way, although you're leaving home and I know that you probably have family, a relationship at home, but going on tour is actually, you know, going to work is hanging out with your friends, which is the opposite for some people's in the career, but that, yeah, you find, you finally feel whole again, or what has it been like being out on the road? It's good. I feel like exactly what you said, like it is work for sure. You know, playing the shows, luckily for us, as we've continued to grow, my workload becomes a little bit less, you know, from like loading in, like we used to run our own merch, like all that kind of stuff. I definitely have it a little bit easier now. But just that camaraderie of like playing with your friends and doing something you love. And we've said that a few times on this tour, like right before the show, you know, is we got such a cool job, you know, as hard as it <laughs> is to be away from home. Like the fact that we got to hang out all day and do whatever. If you get the chance, go explore a city, like rock a big gig for like a bunch of people and then just relax the rest of the night. I'm like, our work day is over, you know, and like it, it's very, very cool. Like, especially as we've been lucky enough to grow like we have. It is a fun job and. I don't know, just being around friends. I feel like at home, I love my time. Like I just yeah. got married in the beginning of the year. Congrats. I actually, I don't know if I knew that. And if I, I should have known that, but I'm not very good at social networking. So really fast, That's congrats. Okay. I have not Thank told you. you that. That's amazing. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. I've been, I've been with my wife now for like seven years. It was seven years yesterday that we were talking about just wow. dating, but our one year anniversary is actually going to sneak up on us. And I'm like, it's been the fastest year, but that makes it like a little harder to leave, you know, especially the first year of marriage where we spent that at home, the most at home time together we ever had period since we started yeah. dating. That's crazy. Yeah. So it was, it happened truthfully, like at the perfect time for me, I think, um, just being able to honeymoon and do all this and not be like, okay, we can honeymoon for one week, but we're leaving on tour next week, you know, and all that. You honeymoon for a year. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we can do whatever we want until things start to pick up again. So it makes it hard, but I definitely towards the end of that was feeling like just that like lack of purpose. You know, you work so hard for a job and you feel like you put in so much effort for it. And then being at home, you're just like, I, I don't know, like, what do I do with my hands? You know, like all that kind of feeling, but yeah, <laughs> you didn't exactly. walk around with you. You didn't walk around with your bass, just playing in the house. I, just... I didn't. I, I'm like ashamed to say, but I feel like the first few months of COVID like almost didn't pick it up. Cause you're like, you don't even know what's happening, you know, and yeah. your life just changes so much and you go into working a job at home, you know, and trying to get by, see what that means, but definitely missed it. Just being around your friends, you know, and I know, you know, it from touring, just that camaraderie you have and like your routine and 
it's just much different, you know, hanging out with my yeah. wife is great, but hanging with your friends is a lot different. I like what you said, uh, uh, at the beginning of that, you were talking about how it kind, it sounds like COVID gave you a new appreciation in many ways for touring. And like you said, it's easy to complain like, oh, there's like, I was making fun of you. Maybe there's no Wi-Fi at the hotel or we're in this area right. that I don't necessarily want to be, but the good things about tour are so good and so unique and not everybody gets to do that. And it's cool that like we can all acknowledge COVID is not a positive thing. We can at the same time, I think we can also acknowledge that it's brought some things to light that are positive. And that's cool yeah. that you found that. 100%. It was definitely like a time of reflecting. You know, it's like you don't know what you yeah. have until it's gone. I had mentioned that tour that we were in in Australia. We went to go play with Polaris over there. And it was a blast. Like we had so much fun. But at that time, we had been touring for like literally five years straight, like very little breaks. I think the month, oh a month, month and a half was probably the most in a row I would have at home. And I remember some of us talking literally at the airport on the way home, just like, I kind of like need a break, you know, like a little bit, just a little time off. <laughs> yeah. And not knowing what the next year and a half would be like. And it's like, we all texted each other. Like once we realized how serious it was getting, just being like, well, we got what we asked for, I guess, you know, but yeah, it's, it's just, I don't know, crazy time for everybody. It's a different being on tour now than it used to be. Yeah. What is, uh, I haven't really gotten a chance. It's cool to talk to you while you're on the road and I haven't really gotten a chance to speak to many friends or anybody on the podcast to, you know, a deeper extent of like, what is different about being on the road, uh, during COVID, maybe just some of the top things, uh, for you. I mean, the biggest thing I would say is just some of the restrictions that we'll have, or the headlining camps will have, you know, as far as having guests backstage, you know, like just people okay. who, if some tours maybe require everyone to be vaccinated, you know, and then if you have guests coming backstage, it's, in in the past, I know, you know, it's like sometimes you go to certain cities and your green room is just packed full of people's friends and families, you know, and all that. Yeah, like grew up in this city or your best friends from here or something. Exactly. Yeah. Like a lot of nights end up feeling that way. But I feel like at least the last two tours we've done, it's been pretty locked down as far as if you're not band and crew, you're not backstage. You know, my brother lives in Nashville. He came out to a show. So I just went outside before or after the show to go see him stuff like that. Lots of mask wearing, you know, backstage, yeah. that kind of stuff. Not just for Slipknot anymore. No, <laughs> not just for Slipknot. Correct. But I don't know. It just has like the overall feeling of like, let's just be safe. All of us, everyone who's on the road, you know, knows the risks of being out here. You know, you're in venues with on this store, thousand to 4,000 people a night, you know? Yeah. So if you find yourself needing to walk through the venue, like make sure you're taking as good care of yourself as you can. And at the end of the day, that's all you can do. You know, it's, you're putting on events every day. There's a risk associated. Right. You know, it's like certainly more than if you just work a regular job where customers come in and come out, you know, you're in a building with a lot of people, a lot of moving parts every day. I don't know. I feel like the hang aspect of it is probably one that I noticed the most. We haven't had any guests. It's our first U S tour on a bus right now. Oh Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. We've not got to bring any of our friends or family on the bus. You know, we're just oh, trying yeah. to keep that our safe space, which feels weird because I want to show it off. Yeah, yeah. Like, look at this thing we acquired. Yeah, exactly. So some of that's been a little weird, but I think the overall feeling I get from at least fans or the like, few people that we get to interact with is people are just so glad that it's back, that most people are willing to do whatever they can to make it happen. Yeah, there's definitely... Uh sense of everybody working together with the same goal, which is nice because we've all got to be on the same page for things like this. Before we get any further, I think 
Do you have another light that could illuminate your face? Maybe yeah, yeah, I don't know if go. there's an easy one. I was just no. Yeah. Oh yeah. There we go. Oh, there we go. That, if, is, if that you, natural, <laughs> the natural light, the natural light went away. If you're watching the video, or if you're if you're listening, hopefully you can hear Chris just turn on the light, and now we can see him in uh, it's night his and form. day. Yeah, night and day. <laughs> I was like, it's getting darker. The sun must be going yeah, down. That makes sense. Is. Oh, okay, cool. It's like by the end of the podcast, I'm just talking to a black, <laughs> like nothing. just a blank screen. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. Oh, man. Yeah, I was. You know. I want to get, I think we're going to talk about being on a bus for the first time towards the end of the podcast, but let's rewind a little bit in Wage Wars, you know, lifespan, because you've been in the band since it started. And I looked at my emails and you and I go back because, and it seems like not that long ago, but it's 2014, June of 2014, we did your band's first photo shoot in Florida. And that was when your band started, right? You started off like with a team kind of around you. So you did a photo shoot, started the band. Yep. I joined the band like around 2013 or so band wasn't signed yet, but it was a band okay. I had heard about, uh, through, uh, Josh from ADTR and stuff. And like used to bump their jams like all the time, you know? And I was like, this band is super sick. And I had been doing my own like musical stuff while I was in college at the time, but I was ultimately there at UCF just pursuing my like degree, you know, my education, yeah. just doing the, the college route. Yeah. Like, ultimately almost accepting the fact that like, you know, this is a very hard thing to happen for people's lives, you know, to be in a signed band or be successful and was like, I'm just going to go to school. Had truthfully kind of accepted that part of my life yeah. was over, but got to meeting the guys worked out for me that ended up joining the band. Um, but yeah, 2014, uh, I think was around the time we started talking to fearless records who ultimately signed us. Uh, we were getting in the studio with Andrew Wade and Jeremy was producing it. Is that Jeremy from a day to remember? Yep. That's a good team right there. You got a label, you got a guy in a band producing it. You got a guy who makes records that sell a lot. And even still, I would say the same, but at the time I just remember seeing, feeling like that's where things were going for us, you know, just yeah. gives you that confidence of like, this is like the type of, you know, situation or band feels right. Yeah. You know, it feels right. You have like a proper team that can at least give it like a good chance, you know, and like write great songs for you. Um, and I think Jeremy had just done like a neck deep record that I loved. And like, I grew up loving a day to remember as the first band I listened to when I yeah. turned 16 in my car. So for us to be working with them, I, I can speak for everyone just saying like at the time we were like, holy crap, like let's go. Outside of working with them and being on a label, if you could think back, what was your expectation around then not the one what you wanted to happen but what did you think would happen with your band like were you like okay we did all this now maybe you had some expectation that you now know was ridiculous or maybe you're on the path that you thought you would be on do you remember what you thought it was going to be like for the next five ten years of your life of being in a band even as early on back then to some extent i feel like i do like at the time yeah. if you were to ask me and this yeah. is kind of like some advice or like stuff that i'll talk to like younger people that i know in bands who are trying to make it is at the time when you get signed you know you feel like you made it and you feel like it just is about to be easy, you know, and like all the work is done. Like now you can be a signed band and you're successful <laughs> and all that. And I feel like just very shortly after that, you realize like your work is begun. You know, it's basically yeah. like you got hired to be the lowest level worker at your job that you could, but they, they're giving you like a chance, you know? And I think at yeah. the time 
you think in like high school me was like you get in a signed band you're huge you know you yeah they're gonna be throwing money at you you know and all that kind of stuff and i feel like you slowly realize like where money comes from or like the way things work you know you put out a record and labels help you pay for that record but you pay labels back by selling records you know and it's not like we yeah, you have to recoup it all you don't just get exactly, a bunch of money you know yeah. it's not like you just sell a thousand records and now i just put all that in my bank account it's like someone paid for that and they get paid back first you know so i think like that's where my brain was at it's definitely was like a victory for all of us you know where you kind of get accepted into that community, you know, and you're yeah. kind of labeled as one of those bands, you start getting associated with other bands that you love or you look up to, you know, you're on the same record label as at the time it was like motionless and white. And there's like just so many others like on the same label, but you start to do a tour or two and you realize like, all right, we are, we're just starting here. Like there is yeah. a lot, a lot to do. You started to figure out all the things you didn't know you had to learn and it unlocks all these other things that you're like, Oh, I have so much more to learn. Yes. At, <laughs> at, at the time you feel like, you know, everything you're looking at your peers or friends that you played in bands with high school with, and you feel like a major step ahead of them. But I feel like then you yeah. start to look around at your actual peers and you're like, I know absolutely nothing here. How did that feel for you as an individual? Like I know as a band, you guys probably had a collective feeling, but how did it feel as an individual for you as part of this group? And what action does that bring out of you? Or do you just, does it just motivate you? I think it motivated us a lot. I feel like there's a little bit, a slight bit of fear that's maybe involved. <laughs> probably normal. Yeah. But I think for us, I'm lucky enough to be in a band with four other people who all up to this point have always had like the same mindset and we very much in the beginning of our career were just yes men like you're offered this yeah. tour you're going to make this amount of money the answer is yes you know it's like it doesn't matter if we're going to lose money on this tour it doesn't matter if i'm going to come if i'm going to be gone from my family girlfriend for a month and a half and you're literally losing money you know it's yeah. like it's yes because it's all it had always been pitched to us or just the advice i've gotten from like our peers or people who had done it before was like you need to be working, you know, you need to be pushing it like into these markets, you know, play with these bands that maybe you don't think would match up with your fans, you know, like kind of the, I don't know if it sounds bad, but like the fan stealing mentality, you know, it's like yeah. when you're signed, you have first record out, like nobody knows who you are. Nobody cares. We got lucky enough, like first tours, like Ice Nine Kills, who at the time weren't as successful as they are right now, but it was a great opportunity yeah. for us. We went second tour is August burns red. Every time I die, I stick to your guns at Polyphia. And that, I feel like that was like a big learning lesson and like perspective opportunity for us because for myself, I listened to ABR, but like Seth and Cody, Seth in particular, that was like literally his favorite band, you know? Oh, wow. See, so you're on tour with them. You're super, super green. You're like trying to balance the, I'm a band on this tour. I need to be cool. But also like, I just want to go tell JB that I love him kind of thing. Is, you know? And that's like a JB's guitarist, right? Yeah. Guitar yeah. player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shredder. And we've toured with them a few times. Yes. And like got a chance to become like super close with them, which is nice, but you just realize you have a lot to learn. You know, every time my dad was on that tour, they were on our first warp tour we did. I feel like we just got fortunate early in our career to have people who had done it forever. Like Andy, the guitar player from every time I die, on warp tour he was in the trailer in the semi tr truck with us every single morning loading gear to the tents he like kept everyone's like morale super high but i feel like he kind of like took us under his wing and was just like as like a elder if you will yeah. like in our as a mentor yeah exactly like a mentor and he just was like let me just tell you how it worked for us you know 
I don't know. I feel, I just feel lucky that we have people like that to look up to who for them, they, I don't even know how old they are right now, but like did van tours forever, like just did whatever they could to increase their profits at the end. It just worked hard, like did it the right way. Being on tour with August Burns Red and meeting these people you look up to or every time I die and having a chance to converse with Andy, do you have any moments that kind of stood out to you or stick out to you that you think back to where maybe somebody said something that really stuck with you or gave you advice that you still follow till this day? Any situation like that. I just love to hear an example of, you know, something these people said to you. Yeah. I mean, Andy in particular on that tour, I feel like just the fact that you're every time I die a legendary band, you know, like you easily could have a ton of crew out here, you know, helping who were loading the trailer, but you chose to wake up every single morning and be the guy to be here. I think that helped, helped us out early on where he basically told us and amongst other people, but him in particular was like, get crew when you need them. You know, you guys are a young band, like maybe bring out someone to help with merch. So you don't have to sit there all day you know, but anything you feel like you can do yourself for as long as you can do that, you know, same thing goes for being in a band or in a van versus like a bandwagon or a bus. It's like just upgrade out of necessity, you know, was one of the biggest. Don't get too comfortable kind of, you know? Yeah. And you see some of your peers, you know, and it works out for some people, but as a young band, you get a front of house guy and a content guy and a tour manager and a photographer. Like you just start overspending, you know? And I think for us, like a front of house guy was one of the first things we got just because we were like, we practice and work too hard to try to sound good <laughs> on our own, to leave it up to someone's hands at a venue that you've never met before. I know what you mean. Yeah. That way we had more money at the end of tour that we could reinvest in ourselves, you know, and get new amps and get a new drum set or new in-ears, you know, whatever it might've been. And then you start making enough money where you can afford those things, you know, but yeah. Just knowing when it's time, I feel like is like a really big one. I think a lot of the guys in ADTR had that band, like in general, for myself, it's Josh, but it was my biggest mentor always, you know, who I look up yeah. to for advice and just what it takes. Like you're in a massive band, you know, you guys have been doing it since whatnot, like 2003. I feel very lucky to have people like that in my life that you're able to be like, is it time, you know, and people to like talk you off that ledge and say, no, like you're getting too big yeah. for your britches, you know, like all that kind of stuff. But just saying yes to a lot, you know, going to Europe, going to Australia, it's long flights, you know, you're away from home, you're uncomfortable. I think the first three or four times we went to Europe, we lost money and it's easy to get, get discouraged. But I think the biggest thing for us was like, it is all future investing, you know, it's for the next five years. So in 10 years, you can go on tour twice in Europe and or put out a record and you don't just sell it, sell it in America, but you're selling in Europe and you're selling in Australia, you know, it's worldwide money. And some of that stuff is important because it's so easy to get frustrated as you're going, you know, not feeling, not feeling the growth that you feel like you deserve or work for, you know, all that comes into play. How long did it take for you to, and you know, I'll just say right now, you can shoot this question down if it's like too personal and prefacing with that. It sounds like it's going to be crazy, but it's not. Uh, How long did it take for you guys or for you specifically to end a tour and then have money to put in the bank? Was that a year? Was that recent? You know what I mean? Like, is it still a thing you're pushing through? I guess like money in the bank period, like if it's literally a dollar, like maybe a year or two, I would say like probably at least a year of being on tour. It's not too personal, but like the first tour we we ever went on, you get paid a hundred bucks a night, you know? Yeah. And that doesn't pay for 
gas to get to the next place necessarily in a van. You're not, you can't pay for hotels. Your whole band got a hundred dollars just to make it clear, right? $100. You play the show, (laughs) you get $100, you know, so you're relying on your merch. You're hoping you played a good show and you sell a hundred dollars worth of merch. You know, I remember the first time we ever played New York city, you're going into the city. They charge you a toll to get in. And it was like a hundred dollars with a van and trailer, 150. And I remember a conversation we had with the toll lady and it's none of their, it's not their problem, but we're just like, you're taking all of our money right now. You know, like, can you not do that? We don't have that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so like kind of swallowing some of that, but I think it was probably maybe a year, like maybe a few tours in before. And when you say money, like I would come home from a month long tour and make $300, you know? Yeah. Like Like, there's a livable amount of money and there's a salary amount of money and a, you know, just to clarify, like, we're not talking like you're not buying a new house two or three, you know what I mean? You're just like, Oh, I can buy some food. And yes. And I'll be honest with you right now, we're what three, four records in and we've been a band. I've been in the band since 2013 and it's probably only now like this last year that have I started to make enough money where I can cover rent and my car payment and life, you know, and afford to be gone for a month and paying rent for a house that I don't live in. And there's so many things that go into it, you know, like re-signing contracts with our record label. Like that was the first time we ever got to do that, like a mm-hmm. couple of years ago. And some of that stuff, if it's bonuses you're getting, you know, or whatever helps where like I could look at purchasing a home, but it's not yeah. with, it's not with cash, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like a down payment, you know, but definitely I would say like a year, like a couple of years at least before it started to feel like, all right, this is like at least at the very least, like paying for itself. I would say almost three years for us before it was like, here's an actual paycheck, you know? How'd that feel? Not something crazy substantial, but it it feels good. You know, it's like, it feels good to, you start to be like, and we'll make the joke all the time, but like a lot of us like Star Wars, but there's a scene with Anakin and he's just like, it's working, you know? (laughs) And we'll just make those jokes that it's like, it's starting to work, you know, like what we're doing is lucrative, you know, and you can pay a sound guy and you can pay for your van and trailer and a merch guy and still make money. And the goal and what's happened for us, which is nice, is just like each year after that, each record cycle, you can start to add a few more people that makes your job a little easier and still come home with money. Allows you to grow. And I I like the example of, you know, talking about your band's career, your what you guys have done so far, because I think it's a more realistic and accurate example. Of course, there's it's a highly sought after job to be in a band. So there's for every band that even makes it as successful as you guys are, there's so many bands that don't, but there's a lot of bands we hear about are, you know, much larger. And then they talk about their success and it kind of paints like a, you know, an inaccurate uh, version of what this career is like. And I think your guys' steady growth, long commitment and everything is very real and represents what it's like to be in a band. And for people who want to work with a band or are trying to get on the road or are meeting them maybe on a tour, they understand where people like you or other people on the tour are coming from and can see like, Hey, they're out here working just as hard as us, or maybe they're not taking home as much money as you imagine they are. You know, it's, it's, it's a real job that requires some real sacrifice and commitment, man. I mean, I was, I was thinking about the years You've been a band now. You said, you know, you started like 2013, right? Yeah, I think that's when I joined the band. And then we, I think our first record was what, like 2015, maybe, if I'm remembering correctly. 
when you talk to a data remember when your band started they were the same age as your band is almost now if that makes sense yeah which is crazy which is crazy to yes. think about that you've been a band for almost 10 years 11 years or 10 years mm-hmm. almost so well done that's yeah. wild thank you that's an There's- accomplishment I appreciate it. And and we don't take it for granted. Like, you know, like we know that and I feel like speaking for myself, but I think I could speak for everyone. It's like, I don't feel like we're done, you know, we're satisfied. Yeah. Like if you ask, you're just getting warmed up. Yeah. You know, like going back to like your question earlier, it's like going back to high school, Chris, or like how I feel. If you would have told all of us, then when we first got our record deal, this is as big as our band would have gotten. I would yeah. have signed up. I would have signed up for that. You know, I would yeah. have. I would have felt like I would have been satisfied, but I feel like now that you get here, you know how much work you put in. It's like, we're not done. You know, like I want to, I feel like we've always just tried to strive for more. You know, I want to be as big as a day to remember, you know, I want to be playing stadiums and sheds and I want to do this for a very long time, you know? Yeah. Like explore the limits. How far can you take it? And it's cool to see, like, I don't know about you, but when I meet like a new band or somebody who's just starting out, it takes me personally a little bit to wrap my head around them being a band. And I think it also equally takes the band enough touring and like long nights and late drives to like grow this skin that makes them look like they're in a band. And it's been really cool to see like, like when I met you guys, you were like definitely a band, but you were way more like, you know, you're just dudes. And now you're like a band. It's so cool. Like I watched a video of you guys on this stage at like a festival and I was like, damn, uncle's crushing it. Like just doing <laughs> these jumps on stage. At the, what was the festival was in Florida recently? Uh, we played Rockville. Yeah, yeah. I watched that video. It was great. It was our first show with fire. So I felt like a God. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Give me fire. how that, yes. how was that first show with fire? Man, you got a lot of first right now. Yeah, we've been, I feel like we do have a lot of them, but that was one, like that was our first show with fire. I remember as a kid, like if you told me your music is synced up to lights, like that's when your band made it, you know, like yeah. if we're playing a breakdown of strobes are going off at the right time. Like you guys, you guys are in the pocket. Like you, you've made it, but that was one. We always wanted fire. I feel like big bands <laughs> have fire and, uh, cool bands like have cool, fire. Yes. And <laughs> that was like a cool opportunity for us where it's in Florida. Our expenses to get there are like zero essentially, you know, and, as we've grown, like our guarantees start to get a little higher. And that was one we talked about for a while where we're just like, we could either play this show with minimal production and just stick the cash in your pockets, you know, or let's just blow our entire guarantee or most of it and just have like a killer show that people will be talking about, you know? And so that's what we did. (laughs) You know, it's like, I don't really care if I make any money from this really, you know, let's just have a cool show, but it definitely feels cool, you know? Yeah. No, I mean... What a, it's so weird to think about. I'm sure you've had it, but you know, fire, obviously it's not cheap. It's, we don't need to know the exact number, but it's thousands of dollars. And it's so weird to be like, I could either put a down payment on a house or our have band could have fire <laughs> for 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's but like, how? and on the surface, it's like, it seems crazy, but I feel like just what we'd said before i feel like it's just always like an investment you know and maybe it doesn't pay off you know but maybe a festival like that we were like headlining a smaller stage that day it's like maybe you end up being the whole talk of the next day you know the next morning when people are camping out or grilling out in the morning maybe everyone's like wage one was sick you know and you can get all those fans who will come back and buy tickets and buy merch and continue to support what we do like over the next five ten years it's like you make that money back 
you know. So yeah, it, it's, an, it's an investment now to get these lifelong fans and, you know, it pays back in multiples. We we're talking about first and how exciting they are. I was wondering if, now I, know, I know you got, you had fire and we're going to talk about the bus, but do you remember any other recent or big, even just in the span of your career, like big first that you guys had and what it felt like? Is there anything that you're like, I don't know. You were like, we fucking did it. I think playing Warp Tour for the first time was a huge first because I grew up going there all the time, watching yeah. my favorite bands, like looking at the schedule and you're only there for one day, you know, but trying to plan your day out. But then to live yeah. that and not know what time you're playing when you wake up and all of that, I feel like was a cool first for us. I remember, I think it was like a second or third day of that first Warp Tour was San Antonio, I believe. It started raining during our set, but something about that just felt like one of the coolest shows we had played in a long time when we were on that first or it was our second tour but with august burns red uh we played the palladium in worcester uh massachusetts oh, yeah. and that was 100 the first time i got off stage and felt like that natural high like just mm -hmm. pure euphoria where you're like absolutely buzzing on life that was probably like one of the biggest shows we had ever played at the time period and since then, I feel like that feeling kind of starts to change. You know, you have new biggest... Or you get used to things. New big shows, you know, and yeah. then you play the newest, biggest show, and that starts to be like your standard, you know, like this festival, or we played Louder Than Life on that Bear Tooth tour of the festival, and that was one where you're just like, dude, this is nuts that we get to do this, you know? I think I was there, right? Was I there? No. Yeah. You may have been. We're louder than life. Terrible. It's in the weirdest. It's in a weird think, spot, right? I feel like that. That was like Kentucky. Oh no, we weren't there. It was some Blue Ridge something. Blue Ridge is that in California or uh, Carolina? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I just remember Beartooth. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I remember seeing you guys on Warp Tour. Your band is one of the bands that I'll watch and then I'll want to get violent, but not in a mean <laughs> way, just an excited way. I'm like, who's close to me that I can punch in a non-violent, excited way? Yeah. Because. I'm just like, oh, this is just, if you want a new workout band, Wage War is it. I appreciate that. Yeah. I feel like that's our <laughs> goal is like we, we want action. You know, I want the mosh pit. I like creating the mosh pit. But yeah. Like with catchy courses, you can sing and stuff like that. You know, like we know we're not knock loose, you know, where you I love that actually band. want to punch someone in the face. Yeah. Um, but finding that mix of just like, you got to get some aggression out. I feel like it's like the pocket I like us to ride in. What's it feel like being on stage now that you're playing these bigger festivals and, you know, your bands, you know, I, I know you played some, you were playing opening slots when you're starting. And now that you have, you know, more of the audience knowing who you are and at the same time, maybe more warmed up because you're playing later in the night. What's it like? I don't know, seeing a pit open up or like being like, our music is doing this. It's doing the thing to them. Yes. It's such a good feeling, you know, feeling like you have more like crowd control. You know, when you're yeah. opening, you have none and should almost expect none, you know? Yeah. And if you start to see any action at that point, you're like, all right, people are moving at all, you know, and it's cool. But to see people like singing the words or it's getting to a, like a mosh call or a mosh pit part and to see like a ton of action or this tour, we have a song called Godspeed that we have everyone jump for in the beginning. And just to feel like it's a consistent reaction every night. You know, when Britain tells people, like when I count to three, everyone jump and it starts happening. I don't know, you like feel like powerful, you know? Yeah. And like in the coolest way where you have control over these people that are at the show, you know, and they want to do 
what you want to do and they want to be part of that experience. You know, everyone's jumping on stage to hopefully have it happen. And I know it, it feels so rewarding, you know, and I yeah. feel like some days it is easy to like take it for granted, you know, like, Oh, I've done this yeah. before, you know, or whatever. But we really do try to remind ourselves a lot, just how lucky and how cool that is that like, like last night we played in Dallas and that was probably one of my favorite shows on this tour. And there was like over 3000 people there or whatever. It just looks like a sea of people. And it's like, just the fact that we can go out there and there's people singing our words and jumping when we say and moshing at the breakdowns, you know, it's like, it, it's so they sick. Get it. like, yeah, yeah, it's like, it just feels, you really do feel like your hard work is like paying off. It's so easy to go to a show and see a band and just obviously you see them for those, you know, 30 minutes to an hour that night and be like, Oh, they've always done this. This is where they're at. But I like humanizing it and understanding that this is, you know, eight years of hard work for you. This is something you've looked forward for your whole life. This is not only the fans best day or it's your favorite time of the day, or it's what you've been looking forward to. It's nice to know it's a feeling that exists both on and off stage and isn't just, you know, they aren't mutually exclusive. It's, I don't know. I didn't always realize that as a fan. I just didn't. Yeah. And I don't know why. 100%. And for a lot of fans, it's like they come to see a show and this is the mm -hmm. one day they're seeing you, you know, versus us. We played, let's say 20 shows in a month, you know? So it's, you kind of have to remind yourself every day, like give it your all, you know, don't take a day off. Like, because some person, like some kid, some fan that's in the crowd, like they may have been waiting all year to see the show, you know? And if you yeah. kind of take the night off, or because two years. You know, exactly. And it's like, if you take the night off just because it's what you've been doing, like maybe like they weren't, they're not going to appreciate that, you know, or maybe they won't come back next time. Yeah. It kind of goes back to what you're saying about, you know, not getting comfortable, whether it be in your work ethic or your mindset or how you perform on stage. Like you need to keep pushing forward and making sure that you're not, you know, have you ever as a fan gone to a show and maybe before your band, after your band and notice that, Hey, this band feels like they've kind of given up or they're just not doing the thing I thought they were going to do on stage. Yeah, I definitely have felt that way. Not necessarily when I was younger, because I think uh -huh. when I was younger, a lot of the magic still existed where you don't really think about that side of it. You're just so like captivated by what's happening on stage. You don't have time to be like, Lights. this guy doesn't look like he yeah. <laughs> yeah, just it's loud and the crowd's pushing you, you know, and like one of my, I remember one of my favorite bands as a kid was Seosin when I was like in middle school, high school. And yeah. I saw them at this concert project revolution by my house. It's like, I, even to this day, I couldn't have told you if they were having a good show or a bad show. I'm just so in the moment that it's like, it's about me at this point. You know, I just want to sing Park? my heart out. And they, they play, that was Lincoln Park story. Snoop yes. Dogg, The Used, Corn, Less Than Jake. I don't remember, uh, I don't remember Snoop Dogg, maybe The Used. I feel like maybe my chem play that oh it might but, be a different project revolution that uh, tour but, was sick but, it was like a rap but, rock tour i think that was the goal yeah and lincoln park headline that was the first time i ever smelled weed yeah, <laughs> like, as a kid i just specifically remember being like what the heck is that but it was when lincoln park started oh man what a good tour those were like i don't know where, where was your what venue was yours at if you don't mind me asking was it at a shed uh it was it was uh what is it called now? Crujan Amphitheater. It's been called a million things. A Coral Sky. It's the one, it's in West Palm Beach. It was called like Sound Advice for a while. They've got a new name, I feel like, every two years. That is one of those shows that I think back to and I can remember what it felt like to be a fan before I worked in the music industry and how crazy, because like for the people who don't work in the industry, um, going to a shed now, it's big, but it just feels normal. 
back then going to a shed literally felt like I entered another planet. It was so big. (laughs) Yes. Like, I don't know, like, especially being a kid, it's like, and not being in the industry that felt like this is the biggest rock concert anyone could put on. Yeah. Like, are you seeing this? This is crazy. (laughs) Like we're here, you know, you just feel like you're part of that sea of people that's enjoying it. But I can't think of, I guess to answer your question before, just about like feeling like people haven't had it. I haven't had yeah. like a ton. I feel like there's one band in particular I can remember that was a band I had liked a lot growing up that we uh, played a festival with in Europe. They were like a headlining band. And I remember seeing them and just, it felt like a band that is one of those like legacy bands, you know, they mm-hmm. can play two festivals, three festivals a year and just get huge paycheck clock out but it yeah yeah but it almost felt like did you guys even practice before this you know or like <laughs> like do you care know, that everybody's like, been waiting for the show like you were just saying yeah you know where you're like a little disappointed where i wasn't necessarily there to see them but i was like yeah i feel like and again maybe like i look at it from a more critical lens than other people do having mm-hmm. done this but yeah like a little disappointed just like i don't know it just felt like it should have been better i guess you know no that's totally fair Yeah, it's hard to see if you have the perspective of a fan or the perspective of somebody who works in the industry. It's hard to kind of like step out of who you are and take get rid of all your experiences. So I know what you mean. I'm glad to hear that you guys notice those things and, you know, you make an extra effort to, you know, give it your all every day. Not that I thought anything otherwise. It's just nice to hear. And I feel like with that being said, it's like everyone's got off days, you know, I might have personal stuff going on that morning that just Mm -hmm. rocks you for the day or you didn't get good sleep or you're feeling like crap you know and it's it is easy to play a show and be like yeah i got through it you know and i feel like that's not something i strive for but i feel like that's just human nature to not be 100 percent every single show yeah it's not possible everything comes and comes in waves and i feel like you can probably relate COVID has brought a lot of that to light uh you know how how big those waves can get well to jump to another subject i just want to make sure before we finish up here one of the things we really wanted to talk about was how you're on a tour bus now, which is awesome. Congrats. You, you did, you. you got to the another, I'm sure in a year you'd be like, yeah, we only have three buses, but it's whatever. But, no, exactly. <laughs> we, yeah, it's our first bus. And then actually it was like yesterday, the day before, uh, they needed our bus to go on a different tour. So they, we just switched buses and they upgraded the company us. did. Like a, yeah. And they upgraded <laughs> us and it's like a slide out bus, like where the front lounge slides out. So you have more room. And we were all talking. I'm like, I feel like this is a ploy by the bus company to like, it's like giving you a little taste, you know, like, yeah, you just yeah. have this for like three days, but then you get home and you start questioning like, bro, like, do we need to slide out now? You they know? give you the sample at the chocolate shop. You know, you didn't exactly. come here for the, <laughs> the chocolate drizzle, whatever, but you got it and you got a taste now. Yeah. 100%. But <laughs> it's, it's been so nice. You know, like we, the first so many years of our career did it in a van. You know, we drove ourselves in between every show. Our first warp tour we ever did, we did it in a van and we drove ourselves, which everyone told us is ultimate street cred. How was that? You're still alive. I I am still alive. At the end of that, like I feel like the best way to describe how I felt was you just feel broken. You feel <laughs> you feel beat <laughs> down. You know, it's yes. that tour is meant to be a bus tour. It's meant to be a bandwagon tour. You have a driver. It's long days. You're getting up. The shows literally start. People playing at like 11 a.m. Last people are playing at what like I don't know seven or eight seven or, or something. Eight, yeah get packed up you're supposed to drive eight hours overnight you know just the longest longest of days and i would remember it always felt like it was you 
they would get caught with it, but you get that late night shift. You drive all through the night. As soon as you fall asleep, someone's banging on the window. Like, you guys can't park here. You got to move over. You finally fall asleep again. And then Britton comes in and wakes me up. He's like, hey, bro, we play first today. And you're like, no, we don't. No, <laughs> you know. And How did that feel? To, oh, man, that sounds wild. I've, I've done it in a van, but I'm not in a band. So I could never get up and have to play a show. It's different. You know, like yeah, it's, it's so hard to be in the band. And, and you're getting sweaty, you know, and I, and I feel for everyone who's with us, you know, we had someone doing merch. Uh, mm-hmm. We brought Louis Velez, who I think, you know, um, yeah, to do photographer photos. friend, shout out. Yes. And, uh, everyone grinded, you know, it's like no one, even though we're on stage and we're sweating, like the way that we do, like everyone is sleeping in there. There's no, I'm going to go in my bunk and go tuck myself away. You know, you're, you're not showering for five days, like all that kind of stuff, but I don't know. It definitely was a grind. We spent forever, first few years, years of our career, we would sleep in Walmart parking lots in the van. Inside of a vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> just to clarify, <laughs> not just in the parking lot with nothing. I made makeshift two by four plywood bunks in the back that are trash. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But that's where we would sleep forever. And I don't know, like at least for us, the progression was sleep in the van every single night for a month. Then you start making a little more money and we get one hotel room for eight people and everyone sneaks in and tries <laughs> to get a shower or sleep. We rocked like four people could go in and sleep, share beds in the hotel and four people sleep in the van, switch off every night, uh, start making a little more money and maybe get two hotel rooms uh, that everyone goes into. But it it really was that for the longest time until we got to the point where we either made enough money or our second warp tour, we were like, I am not doing that again. So we yeah. got our first, that was our first bandwagon, which at the time was a huge upgrade. You know, you have your own yeah. bunk and there's a shower on there and a driver, a slow grind, you know? Yeah. But you just, like I said earlier, it's like, you just did what you had to do. Like yeah. you have no choice. You want to get a hotel room mm-hmm. every night, you, you're going to be in debt at the end of the store, you know? And Sometimes that was a necessity is to be in debt at the end of the tour, but that was never anything we wanted to do. And we would try at all costs not to end the tour in the negative. That seems like a good thing to do. <laughs> yeah, 100%. We were like, I guess we're doing it on a skateboard next year because yeah. I need to make money. Man, it's so wild hearing Like even me knowing like the grind that is being in a band, just hearing you talk about it, it's just, I don't know if I have PTSD, but it sounds really congrats on getting a bus. It sounds so trivial, but please talk to me about how it was. Did the bus pick you up in Florida or did you fly somewhere? They picked us up in Atlanta. We drove the van and trailer up there. Uh, We rehearsed in Atlanta for a day before the store. And then the bus came and picked us up. And I remember we had just ran through like our first set of rehearsal. We had gotten lunch. We were about to start the next set of rehearsal. And I saw that the bus pulled in and everyone was about to start. And I just like ran, I ran inside and I'm like, boys, you hug the bus. The bus is, I'm like, the bus is here. And like <laughs> everyone just ran outside, like walk in, you kind of like get acquainted, you know, with where you're going to live and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. It just feels so cool. And our photographer and he's our tour manager, uh, Bryce Hall. He took a picture of us that day, um, like right in between our van and our trailer or our van and the bus which I feel like we all thought was like super cool, just perspective of like, this is where we started and this is where we're at right now. 
I don't know. It just definitely feels cool. It's like one of those moments, regardless of how nice your bus is, just when you're on a bus period, when you're touring in a van for as long as we have, or even when you're younger with like big aspirations, I feel like that's a yeah. big thing you think about. You see a van on a tour bus, you're like, all right, these guys are legit. That is a big check mark and a big like milestone. Like, okay, we're we're on tour now. We're like mm-hmm. living on tour comfortably. Yes. And even for us still. Like we did it out of necessity, you know, it's yeah. like, is it nice? Is it comfortable? Yes. But we got to the point where we have now a tour manager, we have a merch guy for a house, we have a lighting guy, we have a like guitar tech, you know, and it's like, it starts to be too many people where they don't even fit on a bandwagon. It's not like <laughs> I, I can't be on a bandwagon anymore. It's like, we, we just can't fit, you know? Yeah. So it's too small. Yeah. See, for us, you just take that jump and you're like, this is going to be a lot more expensive, but this is how we have to start operating now, you know, and hopefully in two years you're on a bus comfortably and you're making all the money you want. Yeah, that's great. And uh, do you have any, I mean, you've been on this bus for three weeks. Do you have any funny stories that maybe you or somebody else in the band has gone through, whether it be, you know, something that happened because you're new to a bus or has it been a pretty easy transition? I guess you'd say. I feel like it's been like relatively easy. I think between us and our crew members, everyone has at least ridden on a bus before, Uh, you know, and like we've done like the bandwagon, which is similar. Uh, It just feels more luxurious. You know, you have a lot more room for your bags underneath with the base space. Like I think it rides a lot smoother than the bandwagon did, which is basically a glorified box truck. You know, you're feeling every single bump in the road on this. I feel like it's much smoother. I think for us, like one of the biggest things we enjoy and it's not even a necessity is just now there's a back lounge that has like a TV and then there's a front lounge. So if people want to watch a movie, you can go into the back. If you want to play video games, you know, play up front. Like there's, you're able to have two separate hangs. There's doors for bunk alley where if you want to go to bed early, it's relatively quiet, you know, whereas in the past, like a bandwagon, the bunks and the living space basically share a space together. And then even before then you're in a van, it's a van. It's all one thing. There's, there's there's no privacy, you know, there's no different hangouts. There's not like, you can't really do your own thing. So in that regard, I don't know, it gives you, gives you peace and comfort, like some sense of home life that you can achieve. You know, Steven, Steven and I, there's been like NFL playoff football on. And yesterday, Steven and I just laid in the back lounge, just watching football together with the windows open. We're like, dude, like this is just, that sounds amazing. Yeah. You know, it's like, and that's something we never could have done before. Yeah, man. I am like so happy for you guys to be able to tour in a way that is, you know, usually I know that going on tour is really nice for you because you get to hang out with all your friends. But like you said, it's pretty difficult being in a van or being in a bandwagon. It's not as difficult, but, you know, being in these less than ideal situations with the intentions of, you know, creating a better future for yourself. But at the same time, on a daily basis, it's very difficult. It's nice now that you can feel at least human all day. Yeah. <laughs> and it and it doesn't like burn you out as fast, I think, uh-huh. as it would. I think like the van days, you know, I think we did them at an important time when we were all like early twenties, when you have that energy and that drive to like, whatever it takes, I don't care. I don't care if I don't shower. I don't care what I have to do. Like the answer is yes. You know? And I feel like after doing it for a while now, it's like, I don't think I could do that right now. You know, especially after having already done it once, but also like approaching 30 for most of us, it's like, your physical health, but your mental health, I feel like comes into play a lot where like, I love what we do more than anything. And if I wanted to do what I love in a van right now, maybe we could 
and work a ton of it or guitar <laughs> tech, you know, or sell or sell our own merch, like whatever, like, could you do that and make more money or whatever it may be? It's like, sure. You know, but at the end of the day, it's like, I want to continue doing this for a long time. And I think a big part of that is like feeling comfortable, you know, or just feeling a, a lot like I mean like really a bus isn't it's still bare minimum you know what I mean like yeah. I know it's luxurious relative but I mean you're not there's asking for much <laughs> no, <and laughs> you want a couch and, and a bed still, that's about it <laughs> yeah. yes even still there's 10 people sharing a tube you know where yeah. if everyone wants to sit in the front lounge there's still not enough room you know you have your bed it's just nice to put your things in their place you know and feel organized oh yeah I wish I could show you my desk it's some space yeah is it not organized it's so organized. I have a spot okay. for everything. I got this just so I could have a place to put my phone. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I need. I if something doesn't have a place, then it doesn't belong. As far as I'm concerned, you need to do like a cribs edition, but just for your desk. Yes, it's three things. <laughs> uh, wait, that. did anybody? Did anybody hear bus and then get a little bit ambitious, crew or band, and bring something like? Did somebody bring? like too many golf clubs or something and put it on the bay. You know what I mean? Does anybody pack? Not really. I think we were pretty smart. Me and our guitar tech, Pat, who used to be our driver on our bandwagon. Uh, yeah. We both like to golf a lot. And that was something we talked about before this tour. We were like, do we bring clubs? You know, and it was like <laughs> just knowing where we're at, you know, or how, how things work and what our schedule is like, you know, or all that kind of stuff. We're like, what, maybe we'll golf once or twice, maybe yeah. on the entire tour. Yeah. Um, and we haven't even golfed at all. So that was one I was glad we left at home that I easily thought about bringing that yeah. maybe in the future would bring. But I think everyone for the most part did like a pretty good job. There, there's a lot of Pelican cases that end up in junk bunks or in the back or whatever. Like I brought one with some computer equipment that I haven't even touched the entire yeah. tour that I probably could have left at home. But I think everyone did a pretty good job. of. Uh, it's okay. Packing, First packing tour on a bus. Yeah. It's going to be some learning. Yep. But you do learn, we learned even switching buses, like different things to look at. Like our first bus had a lot more storage space for like your, uh, like pantry type items, you know, or in the back that places to put your shoes or whatever. And the bus we're on now is nicer, like as far as like amenities go, but the kitchen is like a little smaller, like less space to put stuff. So you find yourself being like, you found the things. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it was cool. It's a learning experience. So when we start looking for buses in the future, you know what's important to you you know and you're using who'd your bus go to uh like the company no like you know how they take your bus away from you do you know what artist is going to be in it next i think right is this seven dust bus is that who it was need us uh sorry <laughs> i was asking our tour manager bryce need strauss adam says a lot need strauss uh used it last time i think someone the owner of the bus company had said it was like seven dust i believe is who it was that takes it out step up to me step up to me you want yeah. to, i love seven dust and when we were on we were on like the bear two tour and they have they have like a black bus with like these gray flames on the side and they oh, had cool. said they kind of had some deal with the bus company where like this is basically without buying it like your bus you know like whatever uh, you want it, it's yours but like if you're not on tour other people can take it out but they have it on retainer essentially yeah we're like they'll hit it with some upgrades for them you know as time goes on and that kind of stuff but i don't know for us right now i'm i'm just glad to be on one i'm I'm not picky yeah that's great i would say like the only time i've been on i want to share a quick story if that's all right it's just the only time i've been on a tour where i was like this bus is not good is when i was on a european tour with a day to remember and we had like 
four bus changes because the buses broke down no. on tour. On one tour, it was crazy. Like the AC wouldn't work, but we'd be in like 100 degree weather. Or I have like pictures of us on a swing set on the side of the road in like Dusseldorf or something because our bus yeah. just broke down on the way to the festival. Other than that, I'm with oh. you. Like if it works, I'm on it. If it doesn't mm -hmm. work, I don't want to. It doesn't really matter almost how nice it is. Like stuff happens, yeah. you know? Or our first, one of our first bandwagon tours on one of our headliners, the generator went out like three days in and you have no air conditioning, you know, you have no anything like without being like spoiled. You're just like, I mean, well, this sucks. Cause this is like the whole reason this we is where this we're thing. at, <laughs> you know, like what do we do from here? But we've been lucky. We've been relatively lucky so far, but that can be rough trying to change buses too. You know, you get all like settled into your bunk with all your stuff spread out and then trying to move it all over. Yeah. I think the one thing that is nice about a bus, I think that people make the mistake of assuming that, and it's an easy mistake to make, as you tour more lavishly, it becomes easier. But there's some scenarios where I think I would actually prefer a bus than, for example, you know, flying to a new hotel every day because of what you just said. It's so nice to have an area to call home that stays consistent where I could, you know, for me personally, leave my gear, leave everything. When you add hotels and flights and all these other things, man, it's a lot of time in transit with no place to call home. It really is, you know, and like having to check in or do whatever. And we, we've got lucky some nights on this tour where we have a room like I have right now, you know, where it's like a shower room where we don't have to leave super early the next day where some people can sleep in the hotel. But usually I just end up sleeping in my bunk because I'm like, I'm used to it in here. I'm comfortable <laughs> and I don't have to wake up at a certain time. If I want to chose to sleep till noon or one o'clock, like, here I am, you know, I don't have to move. Like I, I like that aspect of it. Just like you said, where the, this is my spot, you know, it doesn't matter what time it is. I can just go to sleep. Would you ever, I just thought about this right now. It'd be kind of cool to have like a super normal house, but then just have an area of your house called the bus where you like walk through a door and it just looks like a, like a, it looks like you're entering the bus like hallway and there's just some bunks and there's a back yeah. lounge and stuff and just you can to, just like, feel go on tour at home. Yeah. Just like, Oh, yeah. I just, I'm on the road. <laughs> Megan's like, do you want to come? Like, you want to go to bed? I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to like the bus tonight. Like, Yo, I got a back lounge <laughs> hang right now. Sorry. And like, gotta go. <laughs> That'd be it, sick. It it's sound, just a storage container outside your house. <laughs> it does sound appealing. Have your boys come over for like boys night and yeah, we're going on tour. Everyone to see yeah, like get like pushed up in your bunk again. I do think I would like that. I don't know. I don't know if I would invest in it personally, but I, I do like the idea. I will get somebody to gift it to you. I've, I've definitely talked to Neil about when Neil was on the podcast, we would always reminisce about being on tour was so nice because it's the only time like as an adult, you get to have a sleepover. You don't really have sleepovers yes. anymore as an adult with like six of your yes. friends and it's sick. I think about that actually often. I'm like, when is the last time? Like, <laughs> as a kid that you had sleepovers, you know, or I've seen memes go around like about like people who play video games together, you know, with your squad. And it's like, you never yeah. know when the last time is that the squad is going to be together. And then people start having different schedules. You stop playing the same game, you know, or whatever. I do like it for that. Like so much, you know, it's, it's just yeah. such a different dynamic, you know, like mm -hmm. I love my wife and we have fun at home or we have our TV shows that we watch and all that but it is just fun like having a few drinks with your friends or watching a movie or pretty much ever since we've had bandwagons or buses cody and i sleep in like the middle bunks in the back so we can kind of okay. like see each see each other like when we wake up and that's cute let's go yeah but, yeah i love but, that like we did it like the other night 
like while people are sleeping but you're just in bunk alley like almost like feeling bad like like yeah. you're like a bad boy and you start like talking loud or just telling jokes in bunk alley when people are trying to sleep you know reminds me of sleepovers when you're a kid you know up late you can't sleep you get the giggles something it like really, that it really is and, and it's nice and with the amount of people we have with us there's always someone down to hang yeah and sometimes it's not me but uh it is just nice whether it's like jimmy who's been doing lights for us or someone like he tends to stay up late and it's if you can't sleep go to the front lounge and you watch a movie with somebody you know or we've been playing a lot of mario kart or super smash bros and like fun like group games like that we like quiplash if you've ever played that yeah i know quiplash uh, you don't know yeah. jack we'll just do stuff like that that you don't get to you don't get to do at home you know especially with like your people life is a lot easier i think when you don't have to do something alone like i think i always think that i need alone time but sometimes i'll just you know if i can do something with a friend i think that's the thing about tour is like no matter how you're feeling there's always somebody who you can kind of hang with and do something yes. with you're not alone yeah. which is nice I totally agree with that. And I feel like, I think it's easy when you're on tour to long for alone time a lot, just cause you don't yeah. get it, you know, and I like this tour, I'm not burnt out by any means, but I am excited to go home and like have some quiet time. But just like you said, I do find myself Agreed. at home in the quiet time, just being like, well, now what do I do? You know, like if I'm not playing video <laughs> games or yeah, you know, like right before this tour specifically, I remember I, I've been playing like pickleball or like basketball or some different games outside with some of my friends and like a big lack of purpose. Like I would wake up every morning and text them just to like make sure I had plans that day, you know, because you long for alone time. But then when you start to have it a lot, I'm like, okay, I actually don't like this. You know, I, yeah. I just want people's company. I want to like share interactions and memories with people, you know, and it's a balance. It's yeah. And I think especially with what we do, there's a large amount of balance that's involved just between so go, go, go. You know, like I said, there's a thousand, two thousand, three thousand people there at night. It's people loading in. It's very hectic, you know, and you go back to the bus and you're eating food around everybody. There's there really is very little alone time. So you long for it, but sometimes when you get it, it's just not actually what you want. That makes sense. And on that note, I think we I think we should I think we should close this up because we went over, which is fine. Because we'll we'll chop it down, but yeah, I can't keep you for any longer. No, about that's to have, okay. There's about to be like six people coming in here to shower. I can feel it. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Adam. This was fun. Yeah, thank you for talking and you know sharing with us everything you've gone through and like where you guys are at in your career. It's nice to have people that are open to share that because you know I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but there's definitely you know some people work really hard to maintain their like the ominous. I don't know if that's the right word, but like the star aspect of it, it's like, you don't know anything about my life. And to have people who are musicians kind of open up about it, I really appreciate it because it helps people learn and understand and grow and get better. And not everybody's down. So it's, it, thank yeah. you, man. I appreciate it. Of course. I'm always down. I feel like if I didn't have people like that to teach me, like, how do you know anything? You know? Yes, I agree. A hundred percent. We do. I do have a last question, actually. I always ask people if they wear shower shoes or not on tour. Do you wear shower shoes on tour? I don't. I hope you don't think I'm dirty for that, but I don't. I don't wear shower um, shoes. No judgment. Most no. people don't, honestly. There's been an overwhelming yeah. uh, majority of not, and maybe I'm just being by like confirmation bias, but or it's just the people yeah. I know don't wear shower shoes. And there's definitely, and I know you know, some venues that you step in where you're just like, eh, not this isn't maybe ideal. Not. But I don't know. I feel like 
after doing a lot of stuff we've done or just knowing how dirty you end up getting, you know, we're not showering for five days. It's like, it's a shower, you know, you're glad for the hot water and stuff, but no, I I never have. Hey, respect. Uh, thank you so much, Chris, (laughs) or, you know, I've never called you Chris until this podcast. You go by uncle and I think that's cool. So thank you so much for joining me. I hope to see you. Maybe I'll see you while you're in LA. I'll hit up Bing, but if not, I'll see you in the near future. Yeah, man. And have a good rest of your tour. 